Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing Kiss Me Catalina by Priscilla Oliveris. But before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter for now because that's imploding very quickly you can also email us at the phoenix nest pod um at gmail.com the links to our social media can be found in the description along with the links to our still very outdated goodreads and our favorite <laughs> local independent bookstore uh mostly books i'll fix that one day the goodreads the goodreads <laughs> i'm not just not happening i have a week <clears throat> off of school um so i should probably do that sooner rather than later um we'll see what happens we'll see what happens. i mean if you have time. I can't even describe to you the things that I'm not going to be doing in the next week. <laughs> it's a I'm lot. Sorry. The clearing of my throat is gross. Listen, it's allergy season. If I sneeze, if you clear your throat, it happens. Um, also, if you hear um, something hitting a window, it's definitely Angus trying to catch clouds. He has one brain cell. That's weird. <laughs> I, you know there's always one that has just one brain cell and i managed to get that one we had two of our three cats get stuck in the cat door like their collars oh no yesterday two of them managed oh. to do it and we don't understand how because they've been going in and out of that cat door for like months now yeah we don't get it we're like what was that noise and it was freaking it was loot of course Panicking. Yeah. Of course, of course it's, it's loot. loot. It's always loot. Because loot is an alien in a cat body. Basically. He's like a grumpy old man. He is. Oliver is my grumpy old man, and Angus is legitimately chasing sh- clouds right now. Hey. He's living his best life. That's all that matters. Beef. You freaking weirdo. Anyways. Um, so we're reading, or we're discussing, because we've already read it, we're discussing Kiss Me Catalina by Priscilla Oliveris. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, she was an author that was at the Tucson Festival of Books in March. Um, easily one of the sweetest human beings I have ever met in my life. Um, she's just like, she was a good time. She I was really great. always really nice. It is really nice because like it's rare you're disappointed by an author versus like a TV actor or something. Can you imagine meeting your favorite actor and then being just a giant dick? I've read like what people who are assholes in restaurants. Me too. And I'm like, no, but I think they're so funny. And then you find out that they're like really shitty. Oh, the worst. Yeah, that's a bad time. The worst. Anyways, um, all right. Do you want to read the synopsis? You sound so excited right now. Yeah. It's just, it's very long, right? So <laughs> it's fine. <Go laughs> We're used to having like maybe two shitty paragraphs as a blurb. This is like four. It'll work out. It's fine. So bear with me. Here we go. Dreams come true for an untamable rising star and a mariachi idol in a rousing romance about passion, fame, and family by USA Today bestselling author Priscilla Oliveras. Ambitious San Antonio singer Catalina Cat Capuleta gets the chance of a lifetime when she joins superstar heartthrob and fellow mariachi Patricio Galan on his seven-week concert tour. Demanding and arrogant, Patricio 
Oh my god, where am I? It's so much. Patricia challenges Kat on every level. I'm sorry. As an artist and as a woman. But headstrong Kat is determined to be his match. No matter how seductive Patricia's baritone voice, Kat's eyes are only on the prize. Success in making her familia proud. No woman gets under Patricia's skin like Kat. Her talent mesmerizes, her passion is thrilling, and her drive, stemming from an old unhealed family wound, exposes a vulnerability he secretly recognizes in himself. When the duo hits the road, the sparks don't just fly, they detonate. Stage by stage, as each reckons with the past and with each other's quick-fire personalities, they bring crowds to their feet and Kat's long-held dreams come true. Will their road romance go up in flames, or could making music together kindle the most rapturous love song of their lives? Okay. <laughs> Two things. That's a struggle. It's, I think it's because it's so long. A struggle. It was so long. It's long. It was very long. Too long, one might say. Um, And the other thing, I think it's the other way around. It's too long and too vague. Well, no, I didn't feel oh. like... I didn't feel like Kat was the one who was like, I'm going to get Patricio. I felt like it was Patricio the entire time who was like, I need her. And Kat was just like, I can't have him. He's mariachi. I'm not allowed to. We made a pact. I think maybe it's like referring to how he was like, I don't date anyone on the road. Fair. Maybe that's what it's referring to. But like, there's just, (laughs) there's so much to unpack. So the first thing is, (laughs) we need to kind of explain because like a family trauma or family issue is what they're referring to. But the family issue they're referring to is Catalina and her sister Blanca, who are actually orphans. And her like damage, so to speak, is that her father like up and left because he wanted to be a mariachi superstar and their mom got depressed and then she got deported and then she died. I was not expecting. So I thought she was still alive and had just been deported. No. And then it was like, and a week after she got deported, she was killed in a car accident. She's in in Mexico for four days and she died. I'm like, wait a second. This this woman's entire life in the United States was shit because her baby daddy was off chasing a dream. Didn't want anything to do with the family. Yeah. And then she gets deported, which means her girls have to stay in America and end up in the foster care system because their dad's a piece of shit. Yep. And then she dies so quickly after so getting like there. a really good family reunion at any point in the story. So if you think that's what's happening, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's – okay. So, like, we'll get back to that, but that's the, like, baggage. That's, like, the – the familial wound that they're talking about. However, <laughs> there's more to it. Patricio has his own too because his dad, his dad also sucks. Yeah, his dad is mariachi royalty. Like everybody knows him. They call him the king. Yeah. He is El Rey. So stupid. So stupid. And then they call Patricio the prince or whatever. He's like, Principe, yeah. yeah he's the also prince. royalty. But his dad doesn't like him because. Patricio is better. Like, he seems yeah. better. But he he sold out and he went pop. But, like... God so? forbid music ever changes. <laughs> right? Let's God talk Taylor Swift now. Like, come on. It's, so, um, this was very obviously a retelling of Taming of the Shrew. In a very weird way, especially because our author invoked the Monteros versus the Capuletas. Which is the Montes versus the Capulets. But that's 
not the taming of the shrew that's romeo that's and juliet supposed to be the next book it's just it Why? but also but also we have to talk about how my favorite movie as a teenager was 10 things i hate about you which is the taming of the shrew it's the taming of the shrew and it, it was is, it's the best like crossover version of shakespeare it is the best ever. It is my absolute favorite. In fact, I made my child go find it somewhere to watch it. I don't know <laughs> if they ever, if they found it, but they're supposed to. Um, one of the lines that pops up constantly is, I burn, I pine, I perish. Yes. Which is my favorite line from Taming of the Shrew. And she tells him, like, you need to brush up on your Shakespeare. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, girl, <laughs> a lot God. of people do. Like... <laughs> Listen, you're asking a lot of some people. (laughs) My my poor kid just had to do two Shakespeare units in her honors English class. And she's like, I got to be in English and we're just going to go for it. And I was like, you know what? Shakespeare's hard, man. If you don't, if you're not into it. Did you tell her to go on that website? I did, but they moved on. They're doing Cyrano. She's loving it, though. She's really loving Cyrano de Bergerac. She's having a really good time with that one. Mm. Which, fine. But as two self-proclaimed Shakespeare nerds on this podcast right now. We're a little upset. <laughs> we're a little disappointed. I really like Shakespeare. I took like a bunch of Shakespeare classes in college. That was like, um, like some of the basics that you could choose from for your, my undergrad. And so I did like the classics, which was, what did we read? I remember having to go with Hamlet. you. You had to do King Lear. Cause I remember going with you. To oh yeah. All of them. Hamlet, but then we did stuff um, because the the professor I had specialized in Shakespeare, and so then he had a different class where we did like Midsummer Night's Dream and like The Tempest, or no, that's T.S. Eliot. But like he was, he was a weird teacher. <laughs> I feel like if you're teaching, if you're teaching Shakespeare and you're like like all the time, author, you're going to be weird. No, but like the the professor I had that was even weirder was the one who taught my 7 a.m. class, which is a terrible idea, of the most boring, longest book ever. It's like a ballad about fairies what was that? in the forest. I don't know, but he, like, he had other stuff that we read that was fun, but that was like his favorite thing. I don't even awful. know what that is, and I love, obviously. I'm I want to say it's, it's actually called like the Fairy Queen. But we read, like, Galan the Green Knight, and that was really good. Was it Galan? We read Canterbury Tales, which is where I got my tattoo idea from. Which tattoo? My uh, foot one that says Amor Vincent Omnia. Yes, that's right. We have so many tattoos between the two of us, it's hard to keep track of what's what anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And I want another one already. Me too. I always want more tattoos. I was telling Devon that my next tattoo I want on my skank flank. And he was like, do you mean a tramp stamp? I was like, no, it's different. So he sent him a picture of like the one I sent you. Uh He's like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I love having to like explain what a skank flank is compared to a tramp stamp. And my mom's probably going to listen to this. If I don't cut it out, she's going to text me. So a skank flank is like... Okay, so like a tramp stamp classically is the middle low back tattoo. Mm-hmm. A skank flank is more like higher on your hip where your panty line would be, like where your band of your panties is. Yeah. That's your skank flank. I'm trying to find <laughs> a ballad. It has to be the Fairy Queen. And it's spelled weird, right? No, it's spelled F-A-I-R-Y. Is it very, very, very long? 
I'm looking. <laughs> I got rid of that book so fast when I graduated. Or was it Tamlin? No. But like Canterbury Tales is super long too, and we only did like a section of that. Anyways, the point is we've read a lot of weird stuff. So like the references in this, if you're already kind of a a literature history or Shakespeare person, this is gonna be something where you're like, oh yeah, that's the same thing or like the same line or theme or whatever. It has a lot of the same beats. Um, So you can definitely tell where the inspiration came from because the beats are all there in regards to like Taming of the Shrew's beats compared to Kissing Catalina's beats. Um, I'm still going to say just because I can that my favorite retelling is 100% always going to be 10 Things I Hate About. (laughs) I think that one's just more like it's fun and relatable. Yeah, I well, and I was yeah. a teenager in the nineties, yeah. so it makes sense, which is totally fine. All yes. right, so let's see. Um, when we start, uh, the first thing that it threw me off a little bit is right when you start, you're kind of in the middle of the end of a feud between Patricio and Cat, and it's because Cat is super outspoken. Um, during the mariachi competition in Texas. Mm-hmm which mariachi competitions are like a thing in the Southwest. And so like Texas would have a huge, huge, huge like festival. Right. And um, so like they don't describe it very well, (laughs) what the problem was, but just like she thought she was standing up for herself and being like super ultra feminist. And she thought he was being patronizing. And he was like trying to explain that he's actually on her side and she needs to learn to take criticism well because she had written a song and he critiqued it, and she kind of just wanted him to be like, wow, that's really good, or, you know, whatever it was. Well, and, and so it became, a, like, a personal feud between them. Well, and the whole thing is, is that they are – Catalina and her sisters, they're all adopted. and yes. they're and there's, all, like, nine of them. Yeah, and they're all – in, they're all part of a female mariachi band. One of the only ones that yeah. competes. Um, and then they win because... Because they're bad. Fuck the patriarchy. Um, I will always say fuck the patriarchy, period. <laughs> <laughs> always. Um, but their feud is kind of dumb. Because it's a small thing and it's a misunderstanding. And this is like a very common thing um, where someone has said something that kind of to them is offhand and that would be Patricio in this sense. And she's like, no, like you're being such an asshole or whatever. And they have to like fight about it. And in reality, it's because he's like the expert and the coach, which mm-hmm. is his job at this festival. Um, And she's like, just not taking his criticisms. Well, even though they end up winning. Is that it? Yes. See, that's the one. The fairy queen. And he'd say queen. Yeah, because it's got an E at the end. He loved it so much that if you wanted extra credit, there was a day that you could go to the library and read aloud a whole page. But you had to read the entire page of text to get it. And it was like a really inconvenient time. This is 36,000 lines with over 4,000 stanzas. Yes. That's going to be a hard pass for me. No matter how much I love the Fae and Fae retellings. It was not a good time. I know for me. Anyway, 
back to Kiss Me Catalina. <laughs> we got real sidetracked. We did. It did um, one day. <laughs> so, part, so part of the problem here is that Catalina is just very, I don't want to say immature, but she's very inexperienced in the world or in the industry, right? Because even though she might be really good at performing and her sisters are all amazing, she's wanting to be like a recording artist and that's like a whole different ballgame than just playing right yeah yeah and so patricio has padua record records records <laughs> <laughs> tell me that you grew up in a southern arizona town without i don't me. speak fluent spanish so i don't know what's happening to me um but <laughs> but um he has like record deal and he's been around that all the time because like his dad is the king and he went platinum and he was expected to also do the same thing and he has and so he's offering advice and his advisor is offering advice and she's taking it the wrong way and so they kind of are like still really touchy about it throughout the first half of this book I feel and her sisters are all like you got to get over it man (laughs) I feel like it would have been more beneficial to the reader to have read that instead of starting at her signing with Padua Records to be a songwriter for their their band, their groups. Especially because, because, like, part of her whole thing is she's like, well, I'm always right. Well, what were you fucking right about, dude? Like, Because we didn't see Get that. me on your side. <laughs> uh, we didn't see the fight. We didn't see the conflict between her and Patricio during the Battle of the Bands. Right. Which would have given us more context as to what was happening. And I felt like a lot of the times it was disconnected from the story and it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, there were definitely some some like pages that were less informative than I needed them to be. Yeah. Um, and so that's refreshing. But I kind of understand why the book started sped up. So like the beginning was super sped up, the middle dragged, and then the ending was super sped up too. Pacing was strange. It was, and it might be something, like, if she's really trying to emulate the idea of Taming of the Shrew, it might be worth looking into if it follows a similar plot. Um, But I'm not going to do that because I'm no longer an English major, and I ain't got time for that. Mm -hmm. So. Maybe that's what I do with my free week. I just read Taming of the Shrew. (laughs) I mean, you could. It's good. You could watch the original video, like, Elizabeth Taylor. I forgot about that. We watched that in high school because we did Taming of the Shrew, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, okay, so so she signs up to write songs with Patricio for the record label that he's under because they are pushing and pushing and pushing him to release a new album. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is great for my career. It's a huge boost. I want to write songs for like multiple artists and I want to perform and blah, blah. And they're like, okay, cool, we can work with that. And so she goes on tour. And before she goes on tour, um, she and Patricio have a lot of words. Like, like they're constantly of- like arguing for no reason. Yeah, because and she's always she- like, "It's just your machismo or whatever." And it's like, girl, because she is so so. She's trying so hard to be very feminist and very fuck the patriarchy, but she's not realizing that it's detrimental to they're working together like they're supposed to be working together right but she's trying to like be the one in charge and she's trying to be like we're doing this shut up it's happening and he's like i need some time man 
I'm in a rut. Like, let me have a moment. And she doesn't really care. Did you think that that was like a weird big secret reveal that he has writer's block? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why most singers don't write their own music all the time. That would be exhausting to write like 15 songs. Can you imagine? First off. No. I don't I don't even know how to write a song. Like, I wouldn't even know. Oh, girl. Yeah. It's so – you could do it. It's a poem. It is easily, yeah. But okay. at the same With a time – repetitive – I'm just trying to think of the writers that wrote all of the songs from when I was a preteen, a.k.a. all of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and O-Town. Can you imagine being the writer of O-Town's Liquid Dreams? (laughs) Um, I think that was probably just written by one of the first ever bots. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it had to be, right? The first ever AI chat GPT type situation. (laughs) It's just Omegle. (laughs) Or like, what's that? Do, do they still have that chat bot thing where it like talks to you and then it like falls in love with you? <laughs> what is a chat roulette? No, it's like is an actual bot. Oh, I didn't know that one. Oh my God. You'll have to find it because it's really funny because like it starts making jokes with you and it starts being like, I think we could really be great together. And you're like, no. No, that's it's weird. So weird. It's so weird. It happens like almost every time. Creepy. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> We're so off topic. Um, So they go on tour. Mm -hmm. There's this undeniable attraction, and it's intensifying, and it's building because they perform together, and they're sexy songs, and fans are like, are you doing it? And they're like, no, we're not. But they want to. Right, but they don't say that part. And then this bitchy reporter (gasps) does, like, a gotcha article and essentially, like, exposes Kat for being an orphan. Which is, like, like, the rudest thing. And it's because Kat stood up to her and was like, you're the only female reporter in this room. Do better. Yeah. And then, like, stormed off. And so that lady's like, I'm going to fuck up your life anyways. Whatever. She was dumb and she was catty for no fucking reason. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And she even says, like, they're at this event for kids. Like, it was unannounced. Nobody knew they were doing it other than this group. And they never Um, found out who told on them. Yeah, no, it was never mentioned at all. And I was um, like, was okay. <laughs> right? Was it a parent? Was it one of the teachers? Like, what was going on? Um, and she's like, your article better be about the kids. And it wasn't. It was about them, about her and Patricio and them maybe being in love. I think a lot of Kat's naivety, 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 uh, comes just from being inexperienced, honestly. Like, unfortunately, paparazzi kind of goes with it. And if you're on that fast track to being a superstar, you're going to have bad headlines sometimes. And it sucks and it's stupid and it's unfair. But that's kind of, it goes with the territory. And I think that's what Patricio tries to tell her. And she's just all fired up. And he's like, don't even worry about it. It's not worth it. But she takes it, like, really personally. Well, and the worst part is, is that she wakes up to, like, a billion text messages and missed calls. Because she's like, it's our off day. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Because that's what I would do. Um, um, are we concerned that, like, the entire article is about Kat and how she, like, doesn't have a dad. And then he doesn't realize that that's who the issue is with the entire time. He's like, I don't want to push her on this problem. It seems really personal. Who is this him, him she's referring to? Him, the article. <laughs> like, it was there. And like, then in the buddy. end, like, in the end, when her dad shows up, her bio dad. And he's like, oh, this is the problem. And we're all just sitting here going, 
Yeah. Like, like a labeled moment. Like, oh my God. Okay. Um, let's see. So she signs her deal with Padua. They go on tour. She kind of and- shoehorns her way into his daily routine. Uh-huh. She kind of like shows up unannounced constantly in his like to his tour bus. And he's always talking about how how hard it is on the road. Like I have my note right here, Patricio needs to stop talking about life on the road. We get it. You've done it your whole life. Like he just keeps telling her. She's like, "Yeah, we've been on the road for like 3 weeks. We're halfway done. I'm aware." I think the problem is like for her it's probably fun and exciting and for him he's probably like, "Oh my god, I hate this." Because it sounds like he like he has a manager, right, Alberto? That's yeah. his manager, but it sounds like his manager doesn't do a whole lot. Because if he wears a suit, <laughs> that's important. <laughs> if you wear a suit and carry a clipboard, you can get in anywhere. Um, oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think like part of the problem is that he's just troubleshooting for everyone all the time, on top of his own like meetings with Padua and writing and performing and rehearsals, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Up and up and up and up. You know, his to-do list doesn't change. It just gets more intense. And he has a hard time letting go of things. Like, he has a hard time of letting go of him having writer's block and letting Kat help him. Um, He has a hard time allowing, you know, sound check to go without him for whatever reason. Like, he can do his sound check and not be like, well, this is not right. This isn't right. This is right. You have sound techs for that reason. You have a manager for that reason. So it would be like, it would be like me going, Hey cat, our audio is shit, but I'm going to do everything to fix it. And you going, our audio is fine. And me going, no, it's not. Because what's the one thing we say to each other after every single time we record? Oh my God, the audio sounded really good right there. Actually, the last one did. I was impressed. (laughs) Or we go, Oh my God, we're really funny. (laughs) Sometimes we are. Not all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes it's just a Monday night and things don't make sense and it's fine. Sometimes but there's a lot going on. He has such a hard time letting go of things that I had a hard time connecting with Patricio. Like I didn't at any point feel like I was swoony for him. You know, when you read a romance novel and you're like, oh my God, I loved him so much. This I loved movie so much. like takes us back to um, when we read Lick. Oh my god! I and forgot about we, that. We struggled with the rock star like mentality, and like we're like, I yeah. don't know. And I think this is like the same version of that feeling, but like with a different character. So like, neither of us are super into like rock stars, and yeah. Patricio is a rock star in his own right. And so I think that's that's one of the obstacles of us connecting with him as a character. And then if you just don't like the way he behaves, I mean. He's a dick. I, he's he's an asshole. He keeps walking away from Kat. He keeps ignoring her. Um, and then his dad is also a dick. And his dad keeps trying to, like, weasel his way in and get what he wants, you know, doing okay, this. But here's, here's the other thing. If this was written as a novella script for a telenovela. A plus. A hundred percent. Because it would be the dramatic turn and walk away. And then the woman's like, but but what is wrong? You know, like, it would be that energy. It would be that, like, that vibe, if you will. And um, everything. Yeah. And it, like, it, it, it feels that tone. 
Yeah. The whole thing with his dad, too, is that his his dad is, like, jealous of him because, obviously, Patricio has a better singing voice than his dad. Um, and we're calling him his dad because I'm not calling him by his name. His name is Vicente, and that's my nephew's name, and that's weird. Huh. Um, so I was like, no, I'm not going to call him that. You can so call him the call king. Him <laughs> oh, it's even worse if you call him the king. Okay. No. Um, but the problem is, is that he's so jealous of his own son that he basically wants his son to do everything that he says. He just doesn't want to be overshadowed, right? Because he's supposed yeah. to be the number one. Yeah. And then Kat comes in and is like, you know, if you're going to sing with your dad, because they're trying, the record label, Padua is trying to get Patricio and his dad to do a song, a song or two together on the stage in Vegas. Um, and he doesn't want to do it. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not singing with my dad. Which and we then, need to talk about this tour, by the way. Because <laughs> it's all over the place and, like, weird. It doesn't but, make like, sense. not really. Like, anyways, finish your thought, then we can talk about that. So, the whole thing is, is that Catalina hears him singing, like, in his true singing voice. And is like, why do you dull it down when you're singing? Why aren't you projecting like you can like your voice can do it why not mm-hmm. and he explains like my i did it once when i was a kid and it upset my father so i don't do it anymore yeah he's like well promise me that if you do decide to sing with your father in vegas that you're not going to hold back you're just going to let it go mm-hmm. and there is the scene where they do end up singing they do together. three songs yeah yeah they do three songs um two of them with just patricio and his dad and then the last one is with Catalina too. Yep. Um, and he doesn't let go. He like holds, he doesn't hold back. He just does it. And his dad gives him the look and he doesn't stop. Like, he's like, no, I'm doing this. Cat told me I should. So I'm going to, and like, we have this weird moment where it almost feels like they've made up. Like because dad- So instead of his dad being jealous of like an eight year old, <laughs> his dad is like, telling the crowd like this is my son i'm so proud can you believe he's the best singer or like one of the best singers like wink wink of our time and so it's like in a weird way uh like maybe an apology or it feels like an apology from his dad it is like a really weird um moment but they don't delve into that any further Like, there's no inner monologue other than what's on stage from Patricio, and that would have kind of told us, like, was that, like, a road to a better relationship? Because they don't mention his dad anymore until, like, the very, very, very end. The very, very, very end. And that's, like, it. So that is the daddy issue that... that They got daddy issues. (laughs) They both have daddy issues. Like, big ones. This goes into the next one. So when... Kat and her sister Blanca were little. They made a pact to never date anybody on the mariachi circuit. Like, they're not going to do it. Because their dad was a piece of shit. So they're like, we're not doing it. Well, then it comes out that Blanca is dating this guy who is the trumpet player of Patricio's mariachi band. Yep. And Blanca is really mad at Kat because Kat's like, we made a pact. And she's like, we made a pact when we were kids. We and my kids, understand. they were six and eight years old. Were they six and eight or were they eight and ten? I think it was six and eight. I don't remember. When I he has left and their mom yeah. was all depressed, yeah. But, like, they made this pact and Blanca's got a point. We were kids. Get over it, Kat. Like, yeah. come on. And so 
they get to this hotel they're undercover in vegas and she has patricio wearing a really bad mullet in a cap Mm -hmm. (laughs) so terrible but they get there and Kat realizes that Blanca's there and she has their bio dad. Like she realizes that's her bio father who she hasn't seen since she was a really little kid. Yeah. And she gets really upset and like rightfully so, because I feel like Blanca should have said something sooner. Like, Hey, I've been in contact with him or something. Um, And so she runs off and they have their big meeting where he explains there was never anybody, any other woman because it was always told to them that he had other women that he was going around with. And she probably had other siblings and everything. And that wasn't true. It was that he was chasing the dream to be this big mariachi star and he never made it. Yeah. And by the time he came back, their mom was already deported and dead. Um, and the girls so were already, <laughs> the girls were already with their new family. And he was like, I couldn't give you anything better than what they could have given you so you got the life that i needed you guys to have and they kind of make up a little bit like it's okay now they're not so sad but that was the only the only like family like father issue that was really resolved because they're they didn't resolve the one with patricio and his dad not really but maybe that's because it didn't need to be resolved because I mean, for our own satisfaction, it needs to be resolved. But for the story, it doesn't. And I think that's the frustrating part is because we like, especially us, we like when the end of a book is, like, tied in a bow. Like, is done. Or it clearly is leading to the next in the series. And this didn't tie up all the loose ends. And so that's part of the problem. I mean, daddy issues are a thing. I get it. I don't know how (laughs) like how it came to be that they both needed to have daddy issues to put them together does that make sense like it was what the like the catalyst of their relationship like they both had daddy trauma so they had to like that made them like trauma bond kind of but like not really because she doesn't share until they're in puerto vallarta right and and she like kind of like tearfully angrily tells him about her problems and then he's like oh that's so terrible (laughs) and we have a conversation about him having a house in freaking mexico's like tourist capital because everybody who is rich everyone who is white goes to puerto vallarta my mother goes she used to go every year now they go to cancun (laughs) slightly different energy um, I don't know. So they're, we're going to talk about their circuit because it's – if you're familiar with, like, Latinx culture, there are a couple different circuits to follow. One is the rodeo circuit yep. because that is very heavily, like, rancheros. And um, <laughs> and then there's the mariachi circuit. I haven't um, been super big into, like, mariachi or folklorico stuff even growing up. My family didn't lean really heavily into our ethnicity which is interesting um, in either direction. (laughs) And um, so when we talk about this tour that they're going on, they start in San Antonio Mm -hmm. and they kind of travel kind of through Texas Mm -hmm. into Mexico, back up to Albuquerque and then to Phoenix. But that's right before Phoenix is when they take their Puerto Vallarta pit stop. 
And then they go to California. And that's like the end of the tour. Oh, and Vegas. And Vegas. The Vegas one was the end. Yep. And it's just like a very strange circuit. But it makes sense for what the topic is, I guess. Um, Because it's not as common to find real live mariachi groups in other places that don't have a high concentration of Latin culture. So it, yeah. it makes sense. It's just a really strange strange yeah. circuit. Like here in Tucson, it, mariachi is pretty big. Mariachi yeah, right. is like it's huge. Um like Tucson Festival of Books, they had a mariachi band. They had yeah. a couple. Um they, they have had, competitions out here, you know, like yeah. Southwest does it and it's really cool. The performance and the like showmanship that goes into mariachi performances is huge. And like there's no like there's no reading your music. There's no like they just do it. Know. And oh, and it's such a weird thing too, because like there are restaurants here in town that you can go eat at and they have a live mariachi. That, yeah. that comes to your table. You can pay them to come to your table and play a song. And you can ask them if they know a song. And they very often will know even, like, kind of current songs. Yeah. And um, Wild. that's, I don't know. That's interesting. Wild. Welcome to Life in Southern Arizona, which sounds very much like life in San Antonio in regards to mariachi and the dancing and just the culture as a whole i'm not even going to try to pronounce the dancing because i can't say that word folklorico there you go that one i can't say it oh yeah it's really cool it is really cool because that's also one of the things that they do at the festival and like they have competitions and stuff you can see it at the rodeo because we have a big rodeo and everything it just the culture's there like i could connect with that because of where I a grew up and b where I live now, like the culture, yeah, like I got that part. I think that was probably the only part of the entire book that I could really connect to, um, and the food, because they ate a lot of the food that I eat on the regular, except for her sad enchiladas on the road. That was like her saddest moment. <laughs> her saddest moment eating like sad roadside enchiladas because I would be upset too. Yeah, I will say that. Um, part of what threw me off kind of was weirdly the dialect of Spanish that was written. So um, how do we explain? So there are like different versions of Spanish that you can speak. So a lot of the lot or like a lot of in Tucson, at least a lot of is like Sonoran. Yeah. Sonoran Spanish because a lot of people are from Sonora and Nogales. Yeah. So, like, the slang is, like, pretty common. <laughs> um, it changes just like you would say, like, someone from Boston uses different words than what we use in Arizona, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that I noticed going through there is, like, they use words differently than how we use words. Um, the biggest one for me was bueno. Yeah. They used it as well, which I think here we use it more as good. Yeah. And um, they would use it at the beginning of sentences where we would use pues. Mine was way. How many how many times she says way? Mm-hmm. Like here, here for us, like when we say way, it's like I way. Like, what are you doing? Stop it! Yeah. That's stupid. And that's not how they used it in the book. Yeah. So there were like some sections that were slightly different to read in Spanish, and I'm pretty good at reading in Spanish. Um, so I was just like, 
conversationally, I don't like, <laughs> I don't know how that looks. Um, and like they did throw in like Gerita and, you know, like stuff that like everyone would know yeah. if you knew a little bit of Spanish. But like, especially the bueno kind of threw me. Oh, yeah. I don't. Mine was mine was way, but I also so I listened to it on audio uh-huh. um, because it's been super super busy, and I'm not going to justify my listening to audiobooks because that's just my life right now. A lot of what I've been reading like, lately has been audio because school and work are crazy at the moment. Um, but I listened to it on audio, and I will say the narrator did a good job with the accent. Good because. That's a lot of my my hang up when you get a narrator who can't do the the correct acento. Yeah. If you can't do your accent correctly while you're speaking Spanish, no thank you. I grew up listening to it. I grew up um around the the Latin culture just because of where I grew up. Um my hometown, the white people were the minorities. It's just how it was. Um so I was okay with that, but listening to it was a little bit difficult because of the way the Spanish was used. Cause it was used in a different context than the way we would use the words. Um, like you said, bueno and way. And, and there were a few other ones that I was just like, wait, what? I know that part of it too, is like, if you're someone who's not a native Spanish speaker, um, your English accent and your Spanish accent are going to not intermingle. And so like, that's why if you guys are listening, I'm like, these ladies are, like, pronouncing stuff weird. It's because we don't speak fluent Spanish. And so, like, words we know how to say, we say with the accent that you're supposed to say it with. But other than that, you're not going to know. So, like, if you don't know any Spanish words and you read this book, you're going to be very, like, I don't know how to pronounce that. Because, like, there was um, there was a line where, um, what did she say? Sin vergüenza. Which is not a word we use because we would just say cobarde. Yeah. Right? You don't have a backbone, you're a coward. Right? Yeah. And that's all that means. But like, because if you don't know what that is, you're going to be like, how do you say that? How do you, like, what does that mean? And so like, there's just some stuff in there that if you're not a native speaker or you haven't taken Spanish, <laughs> like you're, you're going to be confused. Yeah. If you don't know the, the Spanish alphabet and how all the letters sound. Yeah. So, like, like way me- is spelled G-U-E-Y. Yeah, that's way. Um, so like, I also didn't like that they called her dad Pop Papo. Papo, yeah, because uh-huh. we don't we don't say it that way because it's it's um, Papa or Papi, but it's never Papo. Papito, Papito, yeah, stuff um, like that. <laughs> the the hardest thing I had too, like, because I did read a little bit in the office the other day. If mm-hmm. my boss is listening, I'm not sorry. I was bored. Um, <laughs> I was reading it on my phone and. I can't I had a hard time jumping between my Spanish accent and my American accent like between the words. So like I'm never going to say Patricio because that's wrong. It's Patricio. That's just how it is. It, it's just one of the things where you have to like you have to decide are you committed or not? Because like yeah. there's a huge difference between like I had a kid who was on hell mm-hmm. and everyone would call him Angel and I'd be like you guys know that he's on hell, right? And she was like, well, he doesn't say anything. And I was like, yeah, because he probably gets called Angel all the time by everyone else. Use his real name. And it was like a weird, <laughs> like a weird argument we had to have about like, I don't say your name wrong on purpose. Like <laughs> my nephew, my nephew goes by Vinny. He doesn't go by Vicente. Yeah. Um, 
because he doesn't vincente is his dad's name and he's like no thank you yeah um, he goes by Vinny, and we don't really use his middle name ever because when am i going to call my white nephew francisco <laughs> that's like a graduation thing not even like not even that someone once asked him if he wanted to go by frankie i can you i mean imagine? i understand why yeah, but can you imagine my nephew going by Frankie? Alicia's been having the hardest time because when we order online for something, she'll get to like the drive through window or she'll get to the counter and she'll say, um, I've been like an order pickup for Alicia. And I'll be like, we don't have one. And she's like, oh, maybe it's in my husband's name. It's because they all want it to be Alicia. No, it's Alicia. It's, <laughs> it's, it's driving Alicia. her crazy. It happens everywhere. It's so weird. But it makes sense because of arizona because of the large latin population in arizona alicia is what everybody usually uses yeah it's just just one of those things where you're like come on everyone i will say though that the amount of spanish in the book didn't bother me in any way in fact i enjoy it i enjoy when i can see some of the culture that i grew up in um in a book Cause it's not often that you see something like that. Like the last one that we read was um, you had Mirola, mm-hmm. which was, it was good. I enjoyed that book. Um, I think, so I think part of the problem with this book is not like, okay, the storyline is good. We've addressed that because Taming of the Shrew mm-hmm. crossover Latin flair. Got it. Yep. Got it. Got it. We're good. I think the problem is that we don't, we know the character's deepest, darkest traumas, but we don't know them other than being sassy and fiery and hard-headed and arrogant, right? Yeah. And it gets, like, really hard when you want someone to have, like, an endearing moment. Because even as, like, someone like Catalina, who's been built up as this, like, severely independent woman, which is totally fine, her vulnerability yeah. doesn't come through until it's her trauma. And I think that that's a big problem. Um, It's unrealistic. It is because we have vulnerable moments in life outside of our trauma. And it doesn't always have to do with romance. No. Is the other thing. Like, especially if they are being friends until they decided they were dating. Which, by the way, he decided he was in love with her on this tour. This tour was, what, like three months? It was seven weeks. See? like It was a month and a half. It wasn't even a full two months. Oh, we're going to have to talk about their sex. <laughs> the the sex that didn't happen until the very fucking end. And didn't happen at all. Yeah, we got fingering and that was about it. On a balcony. <laughs> so before we get to the sex, though, we need to have a conversation about the third act breakup. Yeah. So this is like a pretty common thing um, in most novels, really, is like there's this like surprise bad event when you're in the resolution so like if you know anything about plot diagrams you hit that climax of someone realizing something and you're like oh shit that's really awesome and you're like everything's gonna be great now and then there's like a hiccup and it's like Mm -hmm. oh this could throw it all off and that's what this is right (laughs) there's no resolution that's that's done right in this book i want i I guess i want to say i texted you earlier today uh-huh. Because I finished the audio today and then I took a nap. And before that, I texted you and I was so excited. 
even in my notes, I put, oh my God, there's no third act breakup. I'm so excited, right? And then the next note is, oh wait, second to last chapter. Fucking Patricio. So, okay, let's talk about why the breakup occurs though. Because it's it's like a whirlwind. The end of this is like a whirlwind. So they have the sex, which we'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. And then she's getting ready to go downstairs because she wants a good morning kiss. Yeah. And, and he's like not in the bed anymore. He's like downstairs or whatever. And she hears him talking to Alberto. And <laughs> they're talking about her future, which instantly pisses her off. Because she's like, how dare they talk about me without me being present or whatever. Which is fair. I don't want to say that that's not fair. Like, that's fair. Because if someone's talking about you and, like, it affects you, you might want to know. Don't make my decisions for me. Yeah. Which is totally, totally fine and totally in line with, like, her independence and, you know, wanting to be a badass, right? And um, (laughs) so she, like, kind of has a moment where she's, like, in a panic. Because she's like, so he's been meeting with executives and hasn't told me and he's deciding things for me. And she has this like moment where she's going to panic and have a, a meltdown. And instead, she like gets super pissed, which is all always her like go-to. Instead of like letting herself feel other emotions, she just gets really angry despite her years of therapy. Mm-hmm. And so she like storms out there she's super mad she's like don't ever talk to me again how dare you and he's like no listen please like i want to explain like why this is such a good thing for you and and she so she thinks that he asked the the padua execs to not put her songs on his album yep that because she hears him talking about creating a third album that will be his and catalina's instead of just whatever to- this album is but the thing is is she doesn't stick around long enough to listen to him say that she literally she just only- storms out she only hears him say that the songs that they've been writing together he's not using on the album because he wrote his own songs without telling her so she leaves and he's like if you just wait and listen she's like nope gone she leaves with blanca she goes back home and she's all upset and everybody's like you should like hear him out like i'm sure there's a reason like are you being hard-headed and this is nonsense and like all that stuff yeah and then they're like well the the mom goes i just need to open this window i can smell burnt tortillas in here and i'm like you can smell burnt tortillas no it's bacon was it bacon i thought it was i don't know it was bacon because the little sister isn't very good at cooking and she's trying to learn (laughs) so she's she opens the window and she makes a note to like remind them to close it because the air conditioner is on and then everybody leaves and she's like what and we all know that that's the setup for the grand gesture yes and we all know that this grand gesture is going to be patricio coming and playing mariachi out the you know outside she's up at the top and she can hear him whatever so she goes down there afterwards and it's here very Shakespeare Mm -hmm. she goes down there and he's like listen it was never that I wasn't going to use the songs it's because I want to make the songs with you I want an album with you and she's so quick to make up with him because she knows she was stupid and she should have listened yeah I think this is also something that's pretty common that we talk about that (laughs) our female characters often like jump the gun in like a big way and they're like super mad and they refuse to talk about the problem and the dude is always painted in this light of being like the reasonable one 
of like, no, like, just listen and you'll understand. And I think part of that comes from like gaslighting of yeah. being like, no, you're the problem because yeah. that's kind of what's happening. Right. Yeah. But then the other part of it comes from like this weird, like, stereotype about women like refusing to communicate. And so it's like a really weird combination, I thought. So they. <laughs> They make up, they're in love, they're going to get married, the end. That's literally the end. It's like 10 pages, and then it's over. He says, kiss me, Catalina, besame mucho, and I was like, and then it ended, and I was done. See, telenovela, though, right? Telenovela. 100%. I hope it gets picked up for that, because it would make sense. It would make sense. Let's rewind a little bit. Okay. (laughs) So sometimes characters aren't great. But if you have a really, really good tool set, if you will, mm-hmm. in writing certain, like, interactions and scenes, mm-hmm. you can dislike a character all you want, and it's totally fine. Yep. Um, in romance novels, that's often the grand gesture and the sex scenes. Yep. Because that's, like, they're making up. Oh, they're so in love. Oh, this or that. The chemistry part. Right? Like, the joking around and all that is great, too. But, like, those are kind of the pinnacle parts, I would say. Yeah. Um, The problem that we had in this book was that there was so much buildup. There was kissing and making out and, like, grinding and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is... Tension was there. This is, like, horny. Okay. It's, it's there. And then the night comes where it's like, it was the last night of the tour. Now we're not on the road together. You're not one of my, like, I don't know, like, you don't work for me, I guess, is the vibe I was getting. They closed the door. They closed the door. They shut the door. And then the next chapter opens with so many condoms and orgasms. (laughs) And I was like, what? Because he, like, takes her inside. He carries her inside after they're fooling around on the balcony. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, taking you to the bed. It's not private enough out here. Which like, yeah, you're in a hotel. And you're like super famous. So anyways, and then that's the end of that chapter. And then the next chapter is her talking about all the condoms they used or whatever. It was a weird opening line. We have said so many times that we don't need sex on the page. We enjoy the sex on the page. When it's well written. When it's well written. Because if you have sex on the page that's really awful or uncomfortable or creepy, we don't like it. How many times have I said I couldn't tell where the parts were? (laughs) That's your least favorite. It's my least favorite. But is it more... hmm, Is it better than having no sex when you're being led to the sex? In this case... I would have preferred to go, where the fuck is her leg in relation to his hand? You know, that whole thing. I would have preferred that because we got grinding. We got almost kissing. We got kissing. We got my zipper is stuck, Patricio. I need you to help me. And he is like, my finger is so close. And he slaps her ass. Yeah. And then he slaps her ass. (laughs) There was so much damn tension. And then there's a very brief scene where he is fingering her on the balcony while they make out. And then he like picks her up. They go inside. They shut that damn door so fast. That door slammed and it shook the windows and we were left alone on the balcony. It just, it takes something away. 
Um, we do need to note though that this book is very short. It's only two hundred and eighty um, pages. Yeah, total, including reviews and acknowledgments, right? Yes. So it's sometimes an author will sacrifice sex scenes for like uh non sexual content. So like whatever else they wanted to put in there. So like if the trade off was um the Nuevos Nino Center uh-huh. got more attention than the sex scene. Like that's the trade off or whatever I'm imagining. Um, but it's like stuff like that that happens. <laughs> it's just it feels disappointing because sometimes that can be a redeeming thing when they have like a really sweet personal moment or just really good sex, I guess. I would have preferred the sex. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I would have preferred it because we had so much sexual tension the entire time. And I'm gonna go back to it because I can and I'm broken and I'm a child of the 90s. 10 things I hate about you, full of sexual tension, done perfectly. Is it so much to ask for? Can I just have it, please? Please. Yeah, so it was it was a bit of a struggle. It was, but let's get into our ratings because yes. I think we're at that point now. We're beating a dead horse at this point. If you couldn't tell, we didn't thoroughly enjoy the book, but we also didn't hate it. You can probably tell because we have so many tangents. <laughs> yes, correct. So, Kat, on a scale of one to five stars, what did you rate Kiss Me Catalina? I'm going to go a three. Same. Um, I almost feel like a three is generous. I had the same thought. Okay, because I think the idea and the inspiration for this is really, really cool. And we're all about retellings of classic things like Beauty and the Beast, Snow White, Shakespeare stuff. Like, we're we're about it. And retelling. So it's like it checked a lot of boxes. The issue that I had (laughs) was that, like, and I think this happens when I give low ratings or lower ratings, is the feeling connected part of the characters like obviously they were connected to each other they had good chemistry on stage on page right but for us we couldn't it's connect hard. yeah and I there couldn't. wasn't a lot of endearing stuff left no. after after all of the other things like i understand why catalina was so upset but did she have to be awful to her only blood sister who fell in love with luciano I connected more to the culture that was given to us in the book as opposed to the actual characters. I couldn't connect to the characters, but I could connect to the culture. I think that a lot of the ideas of um, introducing feminist ideas to a patriarchal system were really, really good. So if that was what you're interested in, this was good. Like, for example, when she gets a new charo and they design it specifically for her and she says, "Mm, listen, guys, I was thinking I really don't want to wear a skirt. I want to be seen as the same level as, you know, the men. So I would like pants. And they're like, yes. Like the designers were so excited. And that's like a small thing that's actually a huge thing in Latin traditional culture. Well, and then also allowing her to incorporate the roses that are on her family's you know, into this one so that it's like, I just want to give them a nod because that's where I came from. Yeah. I'm going to have my own charro, but I want it to be a nod to my families because that's, you know, they're always going to be my family. Um, 
I had a, I just had a hard time where I was like, I like it, but I don't like it. I was in that weird, like happy medium where it was just there. It was a book. Um, and I think I just expected more from it. I think it was very hyped up in a way that I did not realize. Um, and then we went into it and it wasn't our perfect book. But at the same time, we are allowed to have our thoughts and feelings on this book and allowed <laughs> to not have it be our perfect book yeah. because we do have books that we enjoy more than others. And that's okay. And it's definitely not the worst thing we've read at all. And yeah. I like it. Um, like I like it better than a lot of the other books that we've yeah. read by more more well-known authors. Yep. But the like not connecting with the characters and then not having the on-page sex was um, disappointing. But the Our ideas. Deal huh? Are deal breakers. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like you don't need on-page sex. Like no. you don't. But does it make it better most of the time? Yeah. Yes. Unless, okay, there's one instance where I think it was okay that they didn't do it. They did off-page. And it was um, Casey McQuiston. Yes. When, when he says, but that's just for us. Yep. And then that's it. Because they were supposed to be like really young and stuff, right? There's a way to do it where it can be funny and it can be like, oh, I can accept that. If you're more interested in the characters themselves, because we are more invested in those characters than we were in these ones. So in these, <laughs> these characters were like, give us something. Like, give us something that you're like, okay, he's not really a fuck boy. He's, you know. Yeah. He's great. He's really caring in bed. He really is, like, opening himself up. But we don't get that opportunity, and it's not because we need to hear about his wiener. <laughs> I don't know, but now that we say that, I don't know that I would have wanted to hear about Patricio's wiener. I really, he was, he was just described as, like, an average Mexican guy. <laughs> He's, like, kind of tall, kind of muscular, Every dark hair. <laughs> Every dude I went to high school How with. dark and handsome. Yeah. Um, we didn't at all discuss, and I know this is the very end, but we didn't at all discuss that she often had to fight her fangirl moments because she was a huge fan of him when she was 12. Yeah. And he was like 16 or something like that, right? When he was like yeah. first getting really, really famous. And um, I feel like that could have been made into something really funny. It could have been. Like, because she does oh. say, like, she finds herself having, like, these fangirl moments where she's like, oh, my God, he really just winked at me. Or, like, something like that. That could have been turned into something so cute. It could have. And it wasn't utilized. But we'll get over it. We will. So let's discuss this because we have two books that we can choose from. Yes. What are they? I don't remember. Our options are Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye. Yes. Or Sworn to the Gods by Lexi Kane. Um, and I'm going to leave this in your hands because you've already read Sworn to the Gods and you've suggested it to me. And Alicia Rye is one of your favorite authors. <laughs> I kind of think I would like for you to try out Sworn to the Gods. Okay. I'm a little concerned about which one that is, though. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. I'm concerned that you don't remember it. Well, because there's the one that's the cephalim, and then there's the one that's like a weird reverse harem. Um, you, okay. Um, I thought Sworn to the Gods was the. Hold on. 
ignore us while we figure out what oh no yeah this is the reverse harem one you are going to make me read a why choose reverse harem do i have another book on there that's that is the cephalum one i think so because the other one is an inheritance of curse oh no that's not it no okay that one's really funny um Okay, so I'm going to have you read this one because I'm totally, I'm normally like really against any harem kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it kind of just freaks me out. Whatever, to each their own, it's fine. But this one's really funny because of the gods that are chosen to be in this like harem. (laughs) And it's really funny. And I think it'll be really good. Erebus, Eros, Helios, and Thanatos. All right, you gave me Death Daddy, so I guess we'll be fine. It's going to be really good. And you meet Dionysus towards the end. I love Dionysus, too. And it very well opens up for the next book in the series. Okay, so then we'll do Sworn to the Gods by Lexi Payne. This will be interesting because I am not a big fan of a wide Just enjoy it for the mythology portion because it's pretty good. I'm going to go into it solely because of the mythology portion. Of it. <laughs> I love mythology. Um, and I'll try to figure out which the stupid angels one that I keep thinking about that isn't the one I wrote down for some reason. I don't. Okay. You, you figure that out. Um, but we're going to, we're going to read sworn to the gods, which is the curse of empire book one. Yeah. Not the curse of the empire, just curse of empire. Um, Angus is desperately trying to get in my lap right now. So we're going to read that book. We're going to hope that the mythology wins out on the why choose because I generally don't like them. You just have to enjoy it for what it is, man. It's just, it's, it's entertaining. And it's fine. Right. 274 pages. I got this. This will yeah, be fine. It'll be good. So, so join us next time as we discuss uh, Sworn to the Gods by Lexi Kane. And until then, remember that bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye.